So I occasionally bring a story to the table that Eric reminds me he's never heard before. This is one of those. Now, I've heard this story multiple times. I've read about it in different places. And probably one of, I won't say one of my favorite stories, but I do enjoy it a great bit. But it is the story of the anesthetic prowler, the phantom anesthetist, or more commonly known, the mad gasser of Mattoon. Gotta love that name. Yeah. Rolls off the tongue nicely. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. So the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, he's kind of a strange character. The modern descriptions of the Mad Gasser are based on the testimony of Mr. and Mrs. Burt Kearney, victims of the first Mad Gasser case reported by the media. And people describe the Gasser as being a tall, thin man dressed in dark clothing, wearing a tight-fitting cap. Now, a later report described the Gasser as being a woman dressed as a man. Read that, yeah. Uh, now, he's been described as carrying a, what they call, flit gun. Now, if you don't know what a flit gun is, you've probably seen it in the old Tom and Jerry cartoons. But is that that weird little pump handle sprayer that you, you pump the back of it and it sprays gas out? Of course, the Mad Gasser used this to expel gas into the homes of, of the people he was, I don't want to say attacking. Attacking doesn't seem these, like the right word. These poor slumbering victims. Yeah, he was harassing people. Kind of uh, a peeping Tom kind of aspect, but with side effects. Now, rumors of the time wanted to say the gasser was all sorts of things, from an escapee from a mental asylum, or maybe a German spy testing out a new form of poisonous gas. Nazi. Or maybe even some sort of extraterrestrial visitor here to knock us out and abduct us. and Who just ate a Taco Bell before he visited <laughs> people. Oh, what's, what's the old joke? Um, I just went to Taco Bell. Well, what'd you get? Diarrhea the same as always? <laughs> no, Taco Bell does not sponsor our, our, our broadcast. <laughs> I like Taco I Bell. I do, too. So I shouldn't, I I shouldn't make that joke. So, but, but Eric, you said you'd never heard of the Mad Gasser when I brought this up to you. No, I, I dove in and did some research. And, of course, we're, we're referring to Mattoon, Illinois, a small town of about 17,000. And this all occurred over a period of about two weeks. Now, I did find... You had said the uh, the Kearney family actually was the first one picked up publicly, which it was. It was the first one publicized. There was a case before that, actually. Now, of course, you know we talk about the Mad Gasser, and, and, and this is the name given to the person or people believed to be responsible. Like Eric said, this was Mattoon, Illinois, and this all happened for a couple of weeks in the mid-40s. And the local newspapers who actually give him yes. this, this alluded name. And, and they didn't even pick up on the first case, which we'll get to in a moment. But there were more than two dozen cases reported to police over the span of two weeks, as well as many more reported sightings of a suspect that, that could be the mad gasser. Now, most cases are kind of similar, but, but overall, victims reported smelling strange odors in their homes, soon followed by symptoms including paralysis of the legs, coughing, nausea, vomiting, and some even reported spitting up blood. Yeah. So very serious. 
Victims made quick recoveries, however, and none suffered any long-term effects. Usually within like as little as 30 minutes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, very quick yeah, recoveries. No, no deaths or serious medical consequences were related to any of the mad gasser attacks. Now, almost no physical evidence was ever found. Right. And, and in some cases, the, the explanation was obvious. I believe some of them were uh, cases of spilled nail polish, uh, odors from animals, and then odors from local factories. I think they had a diesel engine plant in town that would occasionally, you know. I actually read where it had been labeled as a war plant. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming building yeah. diesel, you know, vehicles and stuff. Yeah, and I guess if war. the wind blew the right direction, which, you know, factories have their own smell. Now, you said a little physical evidence every now and then, yeah. a footprint or two. So, And I think we'll touch on those in the individual situations. Uh, now, the attacks now are widely considered to be a case of mass hysteria, although there are others who maintain that the gasser actually existed or, or that the attacks have another explanation such as industrial pollution. Now, as far as the identity of the mad gasser, I think at the end, we have a potential suspect I'm going to talk about. Ooh. And, and only just recently has this gentleman been named, but... However, we want to get into the actual attacks. Now, the first one that was documented was that of the Kearneys on September 1st. 1944. However, there was a case before that. Yes. Uh, August 31st, uh, 1944, a Mr. and Mrs. Irvin Rafe were asleep in bed. Mr. Rafe awoke uh, to smell something that he described thinking possibly as the pilot light on the stove might not be functioning properly. And if anybody has gas furnace stove or whatever, you've probably smelled that, yes. that propane it, it's smell. It's a very distinct smell. You know, so he gets up out of bed and he goes, obviously, to go check it out. He's left his wife there in bed. Now, he returns back to the bedroom and he didn't find anything. You know, everything with the gas stove seemed to be in perfect working condition. But he did say he suddenly felt violently nauseous was the words that was used. And he found his wife partially paralyzed, unable to move her legs. Now, later that morning, the neighbor's daughter reported that she also woke up uh, with a similar paralyzation with reference to these gas smells. These would be the technical first, you know, events of several over the next couple of weeks. Now, the first documented by the media was the next day, September 1st. Now, all these events happen at night, of course. We say yeah, the next day. seem to be day, from 10 p.m. Yeah. to early morning before sunrise. But Mrs. Kearney reported smelling a strong, sweet odor in her home around 11 p.m. Now, at first, she ignored it, thinking it might be the flowers outside her window. But as the odor becomes stronger, she noticed that she began to lose feeling in her legs. Now, you mentioned sweet smelling, and we mentioned the smell of a pilot light. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't relate the pilot light smell to a sweet now, I, well, again, you're trying to identify a strange smell, maybe. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't compare the two and say it was it, sweet. It, but pungent, uh, you know, not a, a lot of flowery A smell. lot of people described it as sort of a, a cheap perfume. Yeah, so. okay, okay. But uh, anyway, she began to lose feeling in her legs, uh, and she panicked. She called out to her, her sister, uh, Mrs. Reddy, who was there in the house at the time, and she also noticed the smell and figured it had to be coming through the open bedroom window, but they found no evidence of a prowler. Now, Bert Kearney, Mrs. Kearney's husband, was a local taxi driver, so that's why he's not home at the time, but he returns home to find an unidentified man hiding close to one of the windows. Now, the man fled instantly as soon as he realized that he was caught, or seen, I should say. Right. And Bert tried to. He tried to pursue him, but he was unable to catch him. Now, Kearney, again, provides the description that we, we commonly associate with the Prowler. He said he was a tall, dressed in dark clothing, had a tie-fitting cap. After the attack, Mrs. Kearney reported suffering from a burning sensation on her lips and throat, which they did, of course, blame on the gas. And feeling quite parched. They, they did suspect robberies being the main motive of the gasser at the time. 
the Kearneys had a large sum of money in their house, and and someone may have seen them, you know, handling said money. And then possibly got interrupted and didn't. But, yeah, but like we said, local papers listed this incorrectly as the first gasser attack, whereas the that of the Rafes, I think, was the first attack. Now, you brought up something there in your story, and again, I think we have to go back in time and consider this. 1944, you know, air conditioning in houses is not a thing. Yeah. So it's very common uh, for the windows to be open, you know, allowing any cool breeze to be able to come through. And, you know, on September, August, September timeframe, oh, yeah. it's going to be probably sultry and hot still. Well, I, I grew up going to Ohio in the summertime to spend, spend a time with my grandma and, yeah. You know, you, you, even in that part of the country, you think north for us, but it's, it's pretty hot well, and the summers are almost unbearable. Yeah. And my grandma lives according to the no air conditioning. It was a different time. So you would lay in bed and just sweat. Sweat like crazy. <laughs> I remember I also uh, visited my grandmother who lived in Iowa, actually in Northern Iowa. And you would consider, yeah. you know, very, very cold, but it, I remember in the upstairs uh, where we would sleep, it was very common. She had every window wide open, you know, the, the little curtain you know, well, laces blowing yeah. in the wind and at so, night. And so every smell from outside can come in and every noise can come in. There was a feed mill literally across the street. <laughs> and you talk about a sweet smell, you know, that like sweet grain smell would blow through there. there. There is a town between here and where my in-laws live where I have stopped two times to get gas and they have a dog feed factory. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you that place, that is the worst smelling. Like not, we don't go not there. a good smell. We skip that particular exit, man. So, yeah, like if you got your windows wide open, whatever smell, and if you've got industry, factory or whatever, have you. Which sounded like was relatively yeah. close. Not to mention, you know, crazy wild skunks or whatever, anything, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it's going to come through your house. Now, the story spread quickly around the small town of Mattoon, Illinois, making front page news in the town's Gazette newspaper. Now, the title reads, Anesthetic Prowler on Loose, that, Wife and Daughter, First Victims. The, the anesthetic part is, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of a tongue twister. There. It is. It is. <laughs> that's why we call him the Mad Gasser. The Mad Gasser. <laughs> it, it just rolls off the tongue a lot easier. Now, since the town was so small, as I had mentioned, about 17,000, as chance would have it, about 97% of the population was subscribed and, and received the newspaper. So they got this warning almost overnight. Many citizens notified the newspaper with their own theories and possible other incidences. Yeah. All of this just days after D-Day that occurred in World War II. Now, speculation spread that possibly this was related to an attack of foreign attackers, which only added to the hysteria. I read somewhere that this story is actually somewhat uh, inspiration for invasion of the body snatchers in a way. Oh. Well, the idea of the unknown assailant sneaking up on you in the night. So, and we all know that that story was based on the, the, the Russian, you know, red scare and, and yes, you know, not being able to trust your neighbors and things like that. Yeah. Speculation spread that possibly this was related to, you know, a foreign attack, but even the newspaper fueled the fire. Imagine that admittingly, uh, learning saying that a escape Nazi uh, was from a, a prison camp uh, somehow, I guess, that had escaped in the nearby area. Possibly they were using gas attacks on United States soil because it was becoming known that, you know, the Nazis were using gas overseas. You know, it really wasn't that big of a jump of an assumption to make with the time frame of living in a world war. To add salt to uh, an existing wound, 
you know, not only the escaped Nazi of the area had already increased, but vandalism in particular, home break-ins had increased in the past months. All of this added to a whirlwind of emotional panic. And of course, this was all responded to by the local Gazette newspaper in several articles giving the name to the faceless attacker as our beloved Mad Gasser of Mattoon. So as this all goes on, the first piece of physical evidence, of which there was very little, was found on the night of September 5th. Again, as things were going on, I want to say people were taking to the streets. They were armed. There were people with firearms, yep. kind uh, of vigilante bats, groups, billy clubs, that kind of stuff. They, they, they wanted to get this guy, there whoever was, it was. There was reports that several of them would just divide up and set outside, yeah. hidden behind shrubs and stuff with guns. And On the night of September 5th, Carl and Beulah Cords were returning home around 10 p.m. Uh, after being there just for a few minutes, they noticed a piece of white cloth, slightly larger than a handkerchief, sitting on their porch next to their screen door. Now, Beulah picked it up, and what are you going to do? She smells it. It seems weird. <laughs> What do you Uh, do when you find that sock in the floor? You pick it up and you smell it. So she immediately became violently ill and described the effect as being similar to an electric shock. Her face began to swell and she felt a burning feeling in her mouth and throat. She began to vomit. She started feeling weak and started to experience partial paralysis in her legs. And you got to think about that. That's, I'm assuming that was found outside, did you say? Yeah, outside by the screen door. So if this cloth was dunked or get whatever in in whatever gas that's been out there exposed airing out and she gets that kind of sick that quick wow so they think the cloth may have been left there to knock out the family dog which usually slept about where they found the cloth they also found a skeleton key that they described as well used on the sidewalk next to the porch and a large nearly empty tube of lipstick again going back to the possible woman dressed as a man I think we'll also find a little bit of transphobia later on in these stories, if you'll, you'll bear with me. Uh, the cloth was analyzed. No chemicals were found to explain Beulah's reaction. <laughs> so was it all in her head? Did she actually do it? Of course, that same night, another incident occurred at the home of Mrs. Leonard Burrell. Uh, she reported seeing a stranger break in through a bedroom window and attempt to gas her. And then Mr. and Mrs. Scott returned to their farm at the edge of Mattoon about the same day and found their house filled with a sweet-smelling gas. So these attacks are happening. There's multiple victims some nights. I don't remember the final victim count. I know there were dozens of people. I want to say 30, 40-something people that felt they had been, quote-unquote, attacked by the mad guys. Well, and we'll get into it, but yeah, I think a lot of it propelled, and there was speculated attacks, and well, he was like, at my neighbor's, yeah, so I think he came to hysteria. my house. You know, if, and, you, you know. if you saw a shadow outside of the window, you just assumed it was the mad gas, or it might have been. Some dude trying to peek in on you getting ready for the shower or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of these, in, in any weird smell, I guess at one point in time, the police chief was like, look, I'm tired of getting woke up in the middle of the night because of every weird smell and sound in town. Yeah, so. the police department, they were just hammered. You mentioned one of the physical items they found was a well-worn skeleton key. Now, maybe I missed something, but I didn't find any signs of, while it was speculated early, burglary, theft. How many times do you think the person went actually in the house? Because several of them said there was a small slit in the screen, like where maybe he would have fed in a tube or something for gas. Did, did well, you come across something I like that? I never found any evidence that his, he was motivated by burglary. In any of the readings I found, it doesn't say anything about anything being stolen, anything being taken. No one is actually physically attacked. It is simply gassing of the home. So it, it wasn't that 
you know, Mrs. Rafe or whatever wakes up and there's a man standing at the edge of the bed and holds her down and puts a cloth there's over her mouth. There's only a couple of stories where he, where the intruder actually comes in. Most of the time, he's outside the house. Because I hadn't come across the skeleton key aspect. Well, and again, in that time, well, if you don't know what a skeleton key is, it's kind of an outdated concept, but it's a key that basically works for multiple locks. And a lot of houses had similar locks back in those days. So it wasn't like everybody had their own unique keyed front door. And, you know, you just kind of, they were all very similar. And you, the keyhole, you know, you're familiar with the the, the keyhole underneath the doorknob. So. Uh, but yeah, no, I've never, in in all my readings, I have never heard that he stole anything. I've never heard that he physically attacked anyone. Uh, rarely does he even go in the home. And on the rare cases where someone was reported in the home, maybe it wasn't, you know, the actual mad gasser, but someone else. So Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So like you said, you know, you got the skeleton key, which you would think he'd be using to break in. But So the public, of course, very concerned. And eventually the FBI became involved. In the middle of all this, the police issue a statement asking residents to avoid lingering in residential areas and warning groups set up to catch the gasser should be disbanded for public safety. Uh, Citizens were warned to exercise restraint when carrying firearms. Well, and that kind of leads to another theory and speculation later on that, you know, small community, houses pretty close to one another. And if you see some commotion going on at your neighbors and you're the busy body neighbor, you might come over and leave footprints yeah. looking in, trying the, to find evidence, out what yeah. exactly happened. Like, like you said, now the tears in the window screens, those that's a little different. But yeah. footprints, I mean, anybody, hey, I saw somebody over there. I'm going to go check. Because another record I actually found, a gentleman thought, well, he saw something from outside through a window and he hadn't yet went to bed. So he got up and I guess literally looked out the window and face to face with the assailant, whatever you want to call him, and said, it's a woman dressed as a man and she immediately ran off and they found like what was described as lady sized footprints i'm not sure what that means before that uh, by by september 12th local police had received so many false alarms that they actually reduced the priority of the mad gasser investigation and eventually announced the entire incident was likely the result of explainable occurrences which we've already covered now after that announcement gasser reports declined with the last gasser report taking place on September 13th, the home of Bertha Bench and her son Orville, which is the story you just talked about, where the described attacker was a woman in men's clothing. Mm-hmm. And said so this attacker sprayed gas into the bedroom window, and when they went out to investigate, they found footprints that would have been made by a woman's high-heeled shoe. Okay, wearing so, high heels while yeah. we're doing this on top of everything. So, yeah, so really, are you... Are you going to run around the neighborhood house to house wearing high heels, gassing people? Yeah, that, that sounds absurd. Now, I'm going to go back to a couple things to kind of show this mass hysteria and how it's taking effect of this small town. The newspaper, of course, I mean, let's face it, newspapers are there to make money and they're fueling the fire from the first attacks. They're adding, oh, it might be this escaped Nazi prisoner and it might be related to you know, uh, gassing, like what's going on in World War II. And, you know, they're alluding to all this stuff, fueling that fire. More and more people are calling in, flooding the police department with all kinds of calls. It was almost like they were coaxing the families into believing. Now, some of the families even came back that were supposedly attacked. Again, that's not really the proper word, but involved. Harassed. They said they felt the mad gasser came back and visited them possibly a second time. Now, later on, some of the reporters of the newspaper said, we kind of went out and 
almost fueled that. <laughs> now, Bill, you know, you said, you know, this person came out here. Is it possible that they came back? Well, yeah, there was footprints outside my window. I didn't know. I bet they did. And so they were really just, well, you know, egging this on. I did find something that referenced, you know, like the false memory recovery and whatnot, where you, you know, suggest, well, yeah, did he come back? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Now that you yeah, he could have. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, honestly, authorities chalked this all up to mass hysteria. Well, on September 7th, again, th- this I thought was hilarious in a, in a sad way, but still hilarious. September 7th, front page news in the Little Gazette newspaper about the Mad Gasser. And guess what? Absolutely nothing occurred. <laughs> but it still made front page news. The headline read, Mattoon's Mad Gasser took a break from his maniacal forays <laughs> Thursday night. Terrified citizens inclined to hold their breath and wonder when and where he might strike next. So the whole point of the headline was to say he didn't do it. He didn't do anything, but he still made front page news. We talk about, you know, in modern day, you say it's all for the clicks. But back then, you know, you wanted to sell a few more papers. All about the bucks. Somebody might grab an extra paper because they're talking about the mad gasser. Now, you had mentioned, you know, the police chief going back and they're saying, you know, this is mad. You know, just hysteria. You need to stop. Uh, before that, 10 officials had been assigned to the case. Again, small town, 10 well, they, people. They brought it in the FBI. Yeah, FBI, Highway Patrol. Uh, heck, at one point, the Army's chemical warfare team <laughs> even got involved trying to determine exactly what type of gas the mad gasser could be using. It was a very long name was the gas that they, they tetra something. I don't remember the whole name. They said it would have been available in the diesel plant. And that, but then when they went to the diesel plant, they said that they kept such a small amount on hand that there's no way someone could have taken it and used it for all the attacks and no one had noticed. And nobody noticed. So now I did also find some sick humor, twisted humor, because uh, Bill, you know me and I'm kind of (laughs) twisted. But as you said, the police uh, station by September 12th, uh, Mattoon, Illinois, reported just totally overwhelmed, false reports, just clouding the investigations. They cut back the case. The priority was lowered. They stripped off the 10 people they'd assigned down to a couple. And the following day, the police chief, C.E. Cole, goes on the local radio station and released another, I think, very bold statement, uh, even for the day and, and the time. And it says, the entire incident was likely, as you stated, a result of explainable occurrences excavated yeah. by public fears, and I love this part, and a sign of women while local men are away at work. I did see that there were some, like, misog- some misogynistic overtones to whoa. some things. Yeah. <laughs> These crazy women making These things up. These crazy women. They're all just making it up. So almost two weeks after the attacks began, uh, Commissioner of Public Health Thomas V. Wright comes out, and he announces that while there had undoubtedly been some number of gassing attacks in his opinion, most instances were due to hysteria. After hearing of the alarming events, people then panicked when confronted with the stranger unusual. You know, if there was a strange odor or a shadow at their window, they just assumed it was the gasser. And he said there was no doubt that the gasser existed and had made a number of attacks, but it was nothing more than mass hysteria. And even later on would go on to even change that entirely to say he believed that there was no mad gasser at all. Yes. Now, this was all made up. Well, you mentioned... Your incident there when they were coming out basically saying this was all a bunch of hoopla. I found many years later the Illinois Crime Bureau and the Illinois University professor, a psychologist by the name of D.M. Johnson, reopened the case and closely examined each and every reported case. Now, again, reported cases, there were at least 25 that's considered legit, if you will, and then probably another hundred that was, you know, speculated, you know, whatever. 
They also found there was never real gas used in the attacks at all, as well as no real signs of a prowler even existing. However, the report did outline the effects on the victims were very real, but classic and inline symptoms of the definition of mass hysteria in the field of psychology, which could also include the nausea, the vomiting, even the paralyzation. I guess all of this could your, be contributed to that. Your mind can trick your body into doing some some pretty... My wife got the flu one time, and I just knew I was going to get the flu. Right. And I felt miserable for a couple of days. Now, I, I don't think I had the flu. <laughs> I think my mind was just so wrapped up in the idea of it. Well, the mind so. is a powerful thing. I mean, now there's at least one depiction of the gasser out there, which is a black and white drawing. I think is very common if you do a search for it. Uh, and this is from Lauren Coleman's Mysterious America that depicts the gasser as a not quite human, possible extraterrestrial. Now, do I, I believe- like this crazy curve? Was was the gasser an alien? I, I don't believe that. Now, let's jump up to the year 2003, shall we? Okay. We may have identified the mad gasser of Mattoon. And it was an E.T. No, it was not an alien. In a book published in 2003 by Scott Maruna, who I believe is a school teacher in Mattoon now, uh, he may have ID'd the gasser. He might have been the quote-unquote town genius Farley Llewellyn. Now. Farley was a chemistry student and an outcast who drank too much and kept a secret lab. Now, we know he conducted experiments in his lab because he actually had such a violent explosion one day in his lab that it it basically woke up the entire town. And this is prior to the gasser sightings. Oh, wow. Now, he was known to have experimented with various chemicals. And Maruna wrote, quote, in a fit brought on by mental instability and years of pent-up rage against a town that would not and could not accept him, Farley tinkered and toyed with various organic solvents in an attempt to create a suitable weapon. Now, okay. Now, if he blew up his lab, essentially, and it shook the neighbor's windows or whatever, yeah. wouldn't you think the police originally with the 10-person you know, staff assigned. Don't you think that would okay. have been a suspect that would have got brought up? But the idea at the time, when we use the term town genius, I mean, you could just as easily say village idiot, I think uh, is yeah. the thought. Yeah. They may not have described him with having the mental capacity of, of doing Might not this. have been able now, to. Mind you, of course, he's hmm. tinkering around with chemicals and whatnot in his basement or whatever. But yeah, they they what could possibly go wrong? They call him yeah, like I have here quote town genius, but I think it would be just as likely they would have yeah. called him the village idiot right, too. Right, right, right. Okay, and and being an alcoholic, you know, and mixing alcohol with all uh, yeah. a lot of people may may have said that he wasn't that guy, but I guess people at the time said he was kind of a weird dude and would lurk around people's houses. He was very socially unskilled, let's say, and and. You know, it's just kind of the, the, the weird guy in town that people just didn't really give much thought to. Well, I think most, at least small towns, know of at least, you know, one type well, of person I reference like that. going to my grandma's house. There was a guy who walked around town, and, and we were told not to talk to him because he had just no sense of social boundaries. And I guess if you talked to him one time, he thought that was free reign to come into your house and drop <laughs> by any time he wanted. I'm family uh, now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just some people don't have that mental capacity, and, and it may be with him. They just they, they didn't think to look at him because they just didn't think he was capable. I, I guess I could see that. You know, he's innocent. He's, you know, he's just a little touched in the head but, or whatever. But, but yeah, yeah, he couldn't. He wouldn't be capable of doing that. Yeah, like I said, locals at the time said he was definitely the kind to creep outside a window. So 
but they allowed the parents apparently, or somebody allowed him to have a mad lab in the basement. Okay. So was there a weird visitor, you know, or was it all a mass hysteria? I I don't know. I would say I, I kind of agree with the original. Like there were probably some attacks if that's the word you want to use, but I would say they probably all weren't not, not all of them. But, but I don't know. I think probably the most common accepted was, you know, the whole mass hysteria thing. Yeah. But, you know, we touched on a couple things just in, in our little research, the, uh, the war plant that made the diesel engines or, or whatever. I mean, that does stand to reason. There was some studies done on that and just, you know, not saying anything was stolen from the plant and someone used it, but just like we were talking about with the open windows and carrying those fumes. When a person is in bed asleep, especially, you're, you're inhaling a lot. You're not up and moving. So maybe it would stand to reason that if you're inhaling that gas, it would have a pretty dramatic effect. But and, then when you get up and move around within 30 minutes, you know, you kind of shake it off, you, you but, know. And, you know, environmental regulations weren't the same. Oh, nowhere near. Back then. Yeah. I mean, heck, you can look at modern day disaster like what's happening in Palestine, Ohio. Oh, and, yes. And those people are being told it's safe to go back home. And yet I saw a video of a, of a reporter throwing a rock in a stream and the stream looked completely normal, right? She chucks this rock in the stream and it looked like oil bubbling up, popping on, you know, that, that mirror sheen. So obviously there's still things well, going on. I'm sure you've probably seen and, and probably our listeners have maybe seen some of that. Uh, I don't know if it's NASA or satellite pictures. Oh, that black cloud. Yeah, you yeah. can see it from space. I mean, that's, that's big. Yeah, that's with modern day, you know, safety precautions and whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, back in those days, there were lots of chemicals. You know, the ladies that, per- that painted the, the glowing watch hands with the radioactive paint. And then oh. they would put it in their mouths. Yep, yep. Like, we had no idea well, what some of the stuff we were messing going with Going way back when, uh, what was it, the nightmare clocks or whatever, something like that, that the people would make these uh, these crazy clocks, but the chemicals that they used was known to kill you yeah. slowly? Yeah. Yeah, where do I sign up? Hey, we've got some openings at work. You can come on in and you know take a job. It's, it's not too hard to believe that some kind of powerful gas or something might come out of that diesel factory and waft over to the town. I, I and- think that's... My belief, I think it would be something more along those lines, and then possibly let's add the uh, the town genius slash Farley Llewellyn village idiot, maybe wandering around peeking in people's houses, or maybe a couple other creepers around. Of the two, yeah, like maybe he wasn't going around doing it, but him peeking in somebody's window at the same time the diesel fumes are coming out. Who who knows? Maybe we had some nosy neighbors, not like those ever existed in any time frame. You know, they had to come over and see what was going on and maybe look in your windows too. Is it time for headlines? So as we sit here today and record, we are one week away from the Super Bowl. And if you follow the Super Bowl, you know that the Kansas City Chiefs won this year. I believe they had a historic season. I don't follow football much, but I believe it was the fifth time, fifth year in a row, that they had gone to the, the finals game in their division, which in itself is history-making. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and they actually made the next plateau. Yeah, and it's twice in recent history that the Chiefs have won. So, you know, I'm not a big football guy, but I'll but say, hey, hey, you know, it's the home Kansas City Chiefs. Team. Now, 
the other part of Super Bowl weekend for me was, of course, watching the potential alien invasion unfold. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Super Bowl commercials. No, I don't really care about Super Bowl oh, commercials. Okay. Although the Breaking Bad one I thought was hilarious. <laughs> so, but no, um, well, we could talk about commercials when we're not recording. <laughs> but uh, no, the, my son and I were, were so fascinated with this potential alien invasion. We were, I mean, we didn't believe it was we're happening. We're shooting down UFOs. But we were, we were so fascinated. So normally I have one headline from one source, but this is from multiple sources this time around because I want to talk about it. Now, obviously, the first event we're going to talk about is our government shot down a Chinese spy balloon the week before the Super Bowl off the coast of South Carolina. Now, yeah. of course, they allowed it to drift all the way across the whole dang country. Yeah. They were just doing some weather checks. I mean, if you ask. Oh, no, the was, Chinese are like, no, it was totally innocuous. We yeah, weren't doing anything some, terrible. Some school student made it and sent it up. Yeah. Now, we shot it down off the coast of Carolina because I believe the idea was not to shoot it down over a potentially populated location. So they waited till the they got The thing was huge, didn't they? Say? It was like gigantic. Yeah, was, at first when I read it, it's like, oh, it was, you know, a, a small helium balloon inflated no, it to was a beach like ball, the size you know, of a small something. building or something yeah it was, this huge. Thing was huge so they didn't want to shoot it down over a populated area in case they hurt somebody so i'll let it slide but apparently there were very uh, quite a few strategic locations that it flew over and and we don't know just exactly what they were collecting i think we sent a salvage team to recover the remains and all that but so friday february 10th of, of super bowl weekend the u.s military shot down a ufo in alaskan airspace off the coast of alaska now, this object was smaller than the Chinese balloon, roughly the size of a small car, and was taken down by an F-22. Now, the pilots did say the object appeared unmanned and did not resemble an aircraft at all. And some of the pilots said it interfered with the sensors in their aircraft. Ooh. So, uh, it had no identifiable propulsion system, which would lead some to believe it was a, 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 a balloon. But again, when it comes to our government, I'm the kind of guy who doesn't trust everything they say. Yeah. They shot down a UFO off the coast of Alaska. By on definition. Yeah. Yes. Unidentified yes. flying object. And that, and that definition. is that is the conversation I've had with multiple people when they're like, oh, they said it was a blue. No, they did not identify it properly. So by definition, it's a UFO. Correct. So you're thinking, okay, that's weird enough, right? Saturday, the very next day, the U.S. military shoots down an object in Canadian airspace. So now, we got North Carolina, we got Alaska. Well, hey, we have, yeah, North Carolina, but that's the Chinese spy balloon. Now, the oh, UFO okay. is Alaska and then Canada. Canada. And this is announced by Prime Minister Trudeau on Facebook or Twitter or whatever is his, his, but he announces that, like, with the help of U.S. forces, we have shot down a UFO again with by an F-22. This one was reported to be cylindrical in shape and said to be similar to the object shot down over Alaska. So now you have American military aircraft over Canada. The same one that also said to affect uh, radar instruments yes. and yes. communication, possibly. Later that same day, that night, they shut down the airspace over Montana. What? And supposedly keep it shut down all night until eventually lifting the restriction in the morning. And, of course, now no one really, uh, there was no announcement, but NORAD did say they were tracking an unidentified object. So we close and turn off the lights and yeah. nobody can see what's going on. So it Sunday, is odd that it flies over those areas. Yeah. Sunday, they shoot another UFO down over Lake Huron. This is the fourth flying object to be shot down in a week. The third, which is unidentified. Now, this one's shot down by an F-16, which uses a Sidewinder missile, which, by the way, Sidewinder missiles cost about $400,000 each. It needed two of them 
The first one they Whoa. lost. It did not hit the target, and they don't know why. Maybe some type of jamming so device. You're or, talking, uh, yeah, yeah, almost a million dollars to shoot down this UFO, not counting Hold wages. On, so where and, did that missile go? Yeah, that they don't know. They lost oh, the missile. Lost a... Um, oh, yeah. So this one was described as octagonal in shape, like a stop sign, with strings hanging off the bottom of it. <laughs> now, officials believe this was the same object that had been detected over Montana, and it... And, you know, the government will only officially identify the Chinese spy balloon. That's the only one they'll say, okay, we know what this was. We don't know what the others are. Now, they are cl- claimed to likely not be alien in origin. Likely. That's what they're saying. I'm totally envisioning this cartoon strip on another planet where some teenagers, <laughs> teenage aliens are at a parade and their hot air balloons fly yeah. into space. <laughs> and they're like, look what Earth did to our balloons, mom and dad. So the government is saying they're likely not alien, but it's not ruling out the possibility. I guess there was a, a, a conference held with some senators this week, and one of the senators came out saying, I have more questions now than I did when I walked yeah, in. Yeah, this is big stuff. And, and this is legitimate what big is it? stuff. I think the Speaker of the House guy, after he had a meeting talking about these objects, he's like, look, we don't really know what's going on, but I would just suggest you lock your doors tonight. Like, come like on. That's going to help? Well, yeah, well, like, if aliens are traveling hundreds of millions of light years to visit us, like, locking the door is going to stop them. Hey, it worked in signs, though. They did trap one in a in a pantry. Silent. They trapped one in pantry. a pantry. In a pantry. My, I just watched signs not that long ago with my daughter. And I even thought about, like, there's a scene in signs where the guy goes to sign up for the military, and he goes, you know what I'd do if I was going to invade another planet? So I'd send a small scout team first. Mm. I'm like, holy moly. So, of course, me being me. I spent all of Super Bowl weekend not not excited that the Chiefs were going to go to the Super Bowl, but I was worried about the potential alien invasion and wondering, do I Show have me another UFO? Ready? Yeah, do I have enough food ready? What are they going to do? I mean, it was crazy. It was a crazy weekend, but there were three unidentified objects that our government will not tell us what they were. I don't think our government knows, to be honest. But well, and in all honesty, I've. You know, I, again, I, I love this stuff. I, I'm not always a firm believer in it, but this is, I mean, this is factual stuff, but this happened. It's documented. People are also asking whenever something usually surfaces that everybody's pointing fingers at, look at this, look at this. It's what else is going on in the background. Now, do you know that this week they released the, they were supposed to release the list of those people who had traveled to Epstein Island? Well, there's that. Then you had, believe- of course, the whole thing that we talked about, uh, and uh, East Palestine, Ohio. Yeah. Oh, that's a horrible disaster. Uh, you know, so yeah. yeah. Why are Slide they distracting us? Slide of hands. You what got the Super Bowl going on. You got the potential like, alien invasion. And I not mean, like what they've got playing on the Grand Theater for us to watch. Is it crazy yeah. and real enough? It's like holy crap, old on a cracker. And, and I'm with you. Like when something like this happens, yeah. I mean, is it is it to direct misdirect us, or the other thing is it to prompt a to prep us? for a potential revelation like okay these were alien objects now the widely accepted explanation that i've heard is number one these were probably either civilian or commercial items uh weather balloon type things nobody second credit and they were shot down because in most cases i think the the three unidentified ones were actually in civilian airspace and so posed a risk to civilian air travel makes sense so but for a brief shining moment on Super Bowl weekend, I thought, boy, the aliens are, are coming. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, we're kind of turning this, flipping this into a UFO uh, conspiracy, so I'm going to... Well, we did describe the mad gasser as possibly aliens, so that's that's my justification. There's a connection. (laughs) I'm going to shift my headliner uh, to an article I found in Energy News, and it has to do with the Nord Stream gas leaks and why Europe suspects gross sabotage. Now, this was published actually back in October of 2022, so not all that long ago. But what happened? Well, on September 26th, a flurry of detonations on two underwater pipelines connecting Russia to Germany sent gas spewing to the surface of the Baltic Sea. I read about this. The explosions triggered four gas leaks at four locations, two in Denmark's exclusive economic zone and two in Sweden's exclusive economic zones. The magnitude of those explosions was measured at a 2.3 and a 2.1 on the Richter scale. Respectively, Swedish and Danish authorities said and likely correspond to an explosive load of several hundred kilos. Now, neither the Nord Stream pipelines was transporting gas at the time of the blast, although they both contained pressurized methane, a potent greenhouse gas. Remarkably, the signature of the gas bubbling at the surface of the Baltic Sea could be seen from space, just like what we talked about in Palestine, uh, Ohio. Now. Two subsea pipelines connecting Russia to Germany are at the center of the international intrigue after a series of these blasts caused what might be the single largest release of methane in history, and many suspect it was a result of an attack. In initial crime scene investigations occurring mid-September into what caused the gas leaks on the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines reinforced the suspicions of gross sabotage. As investigations continue, many in Europe suspect the incident was a result of an attack, particularly as it occurred during a bitter energy standoff between European Union and Russia. The timing is right. Or was it they're just not maintaining their crap and things are going awry? Well, and methane is not a gas you want leaking out into the air. Yeah, that's a, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that you want any gas, but methane is a really bad one. Now, the Kremlin has repeatedly dismissed claims, you know, it destroyed the pipelines, calling such allegations as stupid, absurd, and claiming that the U.S. that had the most to gain from the gas leaks, you know, so the fingers flipping, pointing here. You know, how you got to think, man, you thought we were out of the Cold War, and I know they're engaged in an active war with, with Ukraine, but. Really, it seems like we're getting back to those old Cold War. Yeah, it is. It's flashbacks. Now, of course, the White House has denied any involvement in the suspected attack as well. So there's that. So Eric normally closes these out, but I do want to just, uh, you know, keep your windows closed. Don't let the bagasser be sneaking up and gassing you in your sleep. Turn your air conditioner on. Use that power. (laughs) We hope you've enjoyed yet another installment of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thanks for listening, folks. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Ravensloft. That's our family shop here located in uh, London, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, final records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon. And also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for again supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. 
Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in, kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing, and thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, And I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.